Mac Power Users Episode 660, App Updates for iOS 16 and the Apple Watch Ultra. Hello and welcome back to Mac Power Users. My name is Stephen Hackett. I'm joined by my friend and yours, Mr. David Sparks. Stephen Hackett, how are you today? I am good. Can we tell people where you are? I am in indoor studios doing the first yes. bit of actual work. I'm yes. so happy to be in here. Yeah. I've been getting pictures all week of you moving furniture around and putting things in and testing audio. And man, I'm so excited for you. Oh yeah. It is so great. You know, it was, I was telling you beforehand, it, it, it was a project getting this thing built and, you know, California, everything costs a little bit extra and the whole process. Right. But at the end of the day, this is my workspace probably for the rest of my life if I if I can pull this off, right? And um, mm-hmm. I am just super excited to be in here. I can't say enough. I uh, Daisy and I were talking about it, you know, because like there's a famous story about Walt Disney after they made Snow White, which was their first feature um, animated film. You know, they made like jokey cartoons up until then, but it was a huge hit and they made millions and millions of dollars back when a movie ticket cost a nickel. And he took like all of the profits in that and he bought land in Burbank and built this massive studio where they, they made animated films for like, well, they make them to this day on that property. You know, the technology's obviously changed, but uh, that was, you know, what he did. And I feel like that was this commitment for me. It was like, okay, I'm really going to do this Max Sparky thing. I, you know, this is the mission of my life. Now I need to have, a place where I can do it right. And uh, this is exactly what I wanted and I got it and I'm super happy to be here. Yeah, it's, it's really awesome. And uh, I can't wait for you to get it all in shape to show pictures. Cause I think it looks really awesome in there. That wood wall you did. Like I am so envious of it. <laughs> I was like, I, I really yeah. like how it came out. Yeah. And I'm just, uh, and if you, if you're listening, the audio sounds a little boomy. It's I'm working on it. We're, we're I haven't got all this stuff in here yet. And, you should see what I've I've constructed today in yeah. order to record in here. If you hear a crash, it's because <laughs> stuff fell over. <laughs> yeah. Daisy looked at it this morning. She's like, hey, nice fort. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. It is kind of like when you're a little kid and you build a fort. Mm-hmm. But either way, uh, uh, it's all good. And uh, But this, I'm going to get the space totally dialed in here in the next couple of weeks. And it's, uh, oh, man, I'm just so happy to be here. And uh it was a process. I definitely got tired of construction by the end and it became really hard to get work done with people constantly asking me for help with this or that, or where do you want this? And, but you know, it's all good. You know, it was a great investment and now it's time to start making stuff. That's right. Uh, We got a little housekeeping uh, to take care of here at the top of the show. Uh, Up first, I want to offer a sincere thank you to everyone who donated in Relay FM's campaign for St. Jude, that has wound down now as the show comes out. And our goal was about $500,000. That number was picked because it meant that since 2019, we would have raised over $2 million for St. Jude. And we blasted right past that goal. And it's so just humbling and exciting. I have all the emotions in September as this campaign goes on. And so if you shared it, if you donated, uh, thank you so much. It means the world to all of us at Relay. You know, this has been something 
really special for me because we do this because my kid was diagnosed with cancer 13 years ago, but I really feel like this is so much bigger than like me and my family at this point. It's the entire relay team. It's all the listeners. Like we have such a great community here. And so to see this take off in this way is just, it means the world to all of us. So again, uh, thank you. We're, we're just so honored and excited about how it went this year. Yeah, it really, it, it's great. And, you know, the MPU community is so generous. I've heard from so many of you that gave and just thank you to everyone. And and I hope that you got the good feels when you donated um, that I always get. It always feels good to to give money to people that, that can use it. And um, anyway, that, that's great. We're going to do something kind of related to the St. Jude, the, the lingering little commitment. Um, Stephen and I are going to do a live stream about what's in our bags. And we were supposed to do it last week, but just with everything going on here, I was unable to. But this will be the first live event that I do from Indoor Studios, gang. So why don't you tune yeah. in? Uh, we're that we're going to have a link in this show note. Actually, yep. this. Yep. Yeah, okay. This Yeah, because it'll, it'll be just the day after this show publishes. So we'll have a link in the show notes. Check it out. And we'll see you on Monday. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. We we wanted to do this when you were in your new studio, and I had some stuff come up last week as well. And so that'll be a lot of fun. And uh, I actually have a new bag. I've been keeping this from you. And so I will share oh, no. that on the live stream. You get? Well, you'll find out with everybody else. <laughs> yeah, I, I have some issues I want to talk to you about bags too, because I definitely have too many. Oh, and yeah. I think I need to make some difficult decisions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, maybe yeah. that would help my acoustics. I could just hang all my bags on the wall and that would just solve all of the echo problem. Yeah. <laughs> I have so I, many. Yeah. Yeah. I went through a bit of a, a journey this fall trying to maybe change my bag game. And so I've got several that aren't going to stick around. And I got the same problem. Uh, but I'm in also like in calendar land again now that the campaign for St. Jude is over. And like, yeah. I mean, you can't walk around in my office. There's like boxes everywhere. I got a bunch. So I've been yeah. hiding the backs for my family. They don't know how many I've been through. Um, <laughs> but yeah, check out the link. It'll be over on the 512 YouTube channel. And uh, come join us. And if you can't make it live, uh, it'll be there for all time for playback. So we're doing a live stream, but I'm going to keep it on the channel. So that link will work for the live stream or the video afterwards. So if you're listening to this in a year and you want to see what we're using in our bags, go check it out. Excellent. Uh, So we're going to be talking about uh, iOS 16 apps and the Apple Watch Ultra this week because we're both wearing very big, very orange watches. And in More Power Users, which is the uh, extra section at the end of the show for members, uh, you also get ad-free versions of the show. Uh, That We're going to be talking about some like St. Jude follow-up. I think you had some questions about the podcast-a-thon and some other stuff we're doing. Uh, we did this last year, and I, I liked sort of the technical recap at the end. And we had a lot of new stuff this year, so that'll be in uh, more power users for our members. I'll tell you right now, I'm going to give you a warning. I'm particularly interested in project management. Like, how did because you had a lot of people on this project, and yeah, I know that's not something you normally do. So, I, I totally want to find yeah, out what not anymore. <laughs> I used to do a lot of it, and now <laughs> I do none of it except, except this one time a year. All right. Well, uh, the the main topic today is what is new with iOS 16 apps and how are we using them um, now that kind of the dust has settled. Hopefully, everybody's had a chance to install iOS 16. Uh, let's talk through what's going on. 
uh, I can tell you uh, three of our main topics, just to give you an overview, we're going to talk about today is the lock screen widgets, how we're using them, focus filters and app shortcuts. Mm-hmm. But um, the, uh, the there's a lot to each one of those. I mean, uh, so lock screen widgets is entirely new to you know iOS. And uh, we've had widgets on the watches in the past. And this is kind of a a cousin to those that uses a lot of the same code. If you make a watch widget, you can make a lock screen widget largely, but it can create a little mini uh, display that is on the lock screen of your iPhone. And uh, when we were going through the beta process, you know, it had limited functionality because it was just limited to the Apple apps. But now that it's out in the wild, third-party developers are stepping in, especially ones who have already created watch widgets. It was uh, fairly trivial for them to join the lock screen widget bandwagon at that point. Got a bunch of different developers making them, and we want to we want to spend some time going through that. So that's that's the first thing. The second thing we want to talk about is focus filters. This is a an extension of the focus system uh, that we got a year ago, two years ago. Yeah. And it basically extends focus down into the app level where you can tur- turn on and off sections of apps or contents, uh, content within apps. This does require third-party developers to support it. And unlike the lock screen widgets, like you said, they're very close to Apple Watch complications. This is, requires a little more work. So this is not quite as fully featured yet out in the ecosystem, but there are some early interesting examples that we wanted to touch on today. And we're going to talk a little bit about how, how we're exploring this because I think it's a big game changer when it comes to focus modes. I, I really think it's a, going to be an impactful thing down the road. Yeah, I, I can tell you that I am really excited about this. I did an entire webinar on this for the Max Berkey Labs last Friday. I am totally digging this. I already liked focus modes and this is next level. Apple gave us like all the stuff we asked for, plus some things. And uh, there's a lot I want to talk about here. And then the last one is app shortcuts. Um, one of the big changes, and this is like the subtle change where shortcuts has always you know, been something that requires a certain amount of work from the developers in order to implement. Like if you want to create automation for your, for your app, You've got to write it in, and there was a there was an API for it before I actually sat in at the WWD session when they announced this. That's back when we could go to WWDC. Yeah, <laughs> and you know it, it wasn't super difficult, but it do, it did require work. And if you make your living, you know, making apps, you you don't you know, you want to spend your time where you get the most bang for your buck. And I I feel like there was enough of a hurdle there that was keeping people from adding shortcuts. Well, this year they dramatically. Uh, improve that process where making new uh, shortcuts hooks in your apps is a lot easier. And I was talking about the time at a release that this is going to be the secret boon here is that over time, we're going to see a bunch of apps show up with shortcut support and better shortcut support. And that started, you know, we want to talk about that and how uh, one of the things you should probably be doing this year is routinely go. If you're, if you're interested in shortcuts at all, just go through and take a look at, the apps that are showing up and the available apps and shortcuts and what they can do, because that is going to, I don't want to say explode, but it is going to dramatically increase, I believe over the next 12 months. Yeah. It's really interesting. These show up down at the bottom of the main screen in shortcuts. And I opened this two days ago (laughs) while we were working on this section. 
uh, Joseph opened it again, and there's more apps in here. And so as apps are getting updated, they can put these app shortcuts in. And they're the way I've been thinking about them is that they're building blocks. You can just you can run these on their own, and some of them are pretty useful on their own. But I think it's interesting that you could start with one of these ones from like day one or good links or parcel. These are just three that I see on my phone now. And you could, uh, when you hit the little action button, there's a, a shortcut or a <laughs> there's an item that says use in new shortcut. And it takes that app shortcut and puts it into sort of a full-fledged shortcut that you can build around. This is really exciting to me because I, I think one of the biggest problems with shortcuts is it's just hard to do like the first thing, right? Like once you're in there, you can kind of yeah. figure out how it works. But I feel like the on-ramp is, is still too difficult. And I think this is going to let more people ease their way into this. So if you open this and you see a bunch of things from apps you already use every day, you may have some ideas or you can open it and see how it works. And so this is a really exciting change for me to shortcuts. And I really think it's going to help open the doors to automation for even more people. Yeah, I just can't get over how many more people are using shortcuts lately. I, I've been publishing a lot of shortcuts in the labs. And um, the thing I'm finding, you know, kind of the weird feed, feedback, I mean, is people really attach more to the simplest shortcuts than the more complex ones. If I make a shortcut with 15 steps, some people may download it. But if I make a shortcut with two or three steps, a bunch of people are going to adapt it. And they're going to say, oh, yeah. I understand the logic of these three steps, but I wanted to do something a little different. And they'll go in and make a change. And um, the more I look into this, more I realize I need to be giving people a lot more small shortcuts because that's stuff that people actually use. It gets you over that barrier of entry. Maybe someday you get to making 20-step shortcuts, or maybe you never do because honestly – two and three, you know, a collection of two and three step shortcuts can really dramatically improve your efficiency without you having to, you know, get a PhD in shortcuts. So, um, but this all feeds into that, you know, by surfacing simple actions that we do in apps all the time, that enables you to make those really small, short shortcuts that you can then easily implement. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I, I can see that, you know, someone downloads something long and it's a bit overwhelming or, you can't, sometimes shortcuts you can't easily follow if you're not familiar with it, you know, how, how it's working and what it's doing. So those two thoughts definitely go hand in hand. I feel like I'm pretty familiar with it. I've made courses on it and that some of them I, I, I still find have trouble following because you've got to like do something weird uh, mm -hmm. because you're like, the longer and more complex it gets, the more you have to kind of hack it, you know? Yeah. And if you keep it more kind of, for lack of a better term, pure, you know, just real simple stuff, the kind of stuff Apple really intended, it just gets easier and more stable and, and faster and all that. So there, there really is something to this. I haven't really thought through entirely, but I think there's something to this idea of trying to embrace simple automation and not get too hung up on the real complex stuff. You know, sometimes it, you go to that extra level. Um, you just create an unstable automation that you eventually stop using and it takes you hours to make it. There's something to this. I just need to kind of like think it through more. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by SaneBox. SaneBox is the email service that Stephen and I love because it makes managing email so much easier. Just go to SaneBox.com slash MPU and stop drowning in email today and get a $25 credit on any plan. 
Sanebox learns what email is important to you and filters out what isn't, saving you hours. And it works with all kinds of email programs and services, so you don't have to have a special app. It starts out with great filtering. So what it does is looks at the subject line and the sender of any email it gets. It doesn't look at the contents, but just on those two bits of information, it can do a lot of work for you. It can sort the email. So if it's really important, it'll just leave it in your inbox. But if it's not so important, it'll put it into the same later folder, which you can check less frequently. And that way you can stay on top of the important email and not spend all your time on the less important email. But they have other services like the same black hole where you can unsubscribe with one click. They also have snoozing. So you could say, uh, put this into three days. So three days from now, it'll show back up in your inbox, but then it goes away in the meantime. They also have the reminder service, which I love. You carbon copy or blind copy an email to a period of time, like one week at samebox.com. And then if the receiver doesn't reply, you'll get a reminder in one week to follow up. Uh, but you can pick any time frame you want, like April 15th or three days or two months. They all just work. And this is a great, quick way to keep on top of your email. But Samebox is more than filtering. You can move attachments to Dropbox or other cloud services. And the pricing plans start as low as $4 a month. And the beauty of Samebox is it does all of this for you without requiring you to buy their app. So whatever your mail app or service that you prefer, you can stick with that. But you can add a bunch of power tools with Samebox. And you get a 14-day free trial. So go check it out. It's Sanebox, S-A-N-E-B-O-X dot com slash MPU. And if you go there, you get a $25 credit on any plan. A massive number of MPU listeners that try this end up subscribing, and that's because it really works well. If you're having any trouble with email, if you want some help, check it out today. Sanebox.com slash MPU. Get that $25 credit on any plan. Uh, we love this sponsor because we both use them. So go to sanebox.com slash MPU one last time. Stop drowning in email today. And thanks, Sanebox, for all of your support of the Mac Power users. So let's start with the lock screen widgets. I think that makes the uh, the most sense since it's what you see uh, when you pick up your phone. Or if you have a new phone, it's what you see just all the time. because <laughs> Your screen never goes off. And I want to actually start there about the always on lock screen because, you know, you and I both ran the beta basically all summer. We got to try Apple's first party widgets. We each got to try a lot of ones in beta. But I really get the sense that it's a totally different ball game when you can see these widgets all the time. I'm curious what you think about that. Yeah, I want to I want to stand in defense of the always on screen. <laughs> I just the last week I've listened to several podcasts where people are like down on it. And um I don't really I don't agree, you know. So the locks, the always on screen, you have to get the new pro phone. So I'm sure a lot of people don't have it yet, but this is eventually going to find its way to all devices. I'm convinced. I mean, the trick is you've got to have a screen in it that can turn down to a one time per second refresh rate. So you, your battery doesn't die. <laughs> right. Um, but, but primarily like I, I talked to you a few shows ago that I, I went ahead and bought that uh, vertical uh, charging stand. It's on my desk and I just set my phone in that so it's charging all day while I'm sitting here. I've got the time and somewhat related to focus mode, I've got different sets of widgets that appear. Like, for instance, right now I'm in my podcast focus mode and I can see what time it is in Memphis mm -hmm. because my, my phone updates itself to relevant information at, you know, for what I need. 
Um, the other thing that this always on screen does, and this is what catches people, is that it dims your wallpaper, but it doesn't remove your wallpaper. And if you look at like all the rumors that we had about this always on screen, uh, up until very recently before they released the phone, everybody assumed that it would be a black screen and you'd have the time and some widgets. Um, and because that's what most of the Android phones do. And yep. it makes sense because you have, you light up fewer pixels. It uses less battery life and you know, the, it's the, it's the easiest way to go about it. And what Apple did was said, well, we like the wallpaper, so we're going to leave it on and dim it. So like, if you've got a picture of your spouse or your dog or, you know, whatever on your wallpaper, you can still see it. So it's like a little kind of like picture frame too. And what people are complaining is, well, I put it in there and then I feel like, well, I left my phone on, you know, it, it freaks me out. And it was odd the first few days, but after a couple of days, I got totally used to it. I'm not, I look at it now. I don't think the phone is, is turned on. I'm holding up air quotes here and refreshing itself 60 times per second and using up my battery. I just realized it's in, you know, this mode. Um, and I just feel like um, people are giving up on this way too soon because I find it very useful to have the the widget information. In fact, I one complaint is, if anything, is I'd like more widgets on that. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't mind the wallpaper. I mean, with how are you adjusting to it? Yeah, I'm in the same boat you are. It, it took me a few days to get used to it. You know, I did the thing of like, I look up like, oh gosh, my phone's on. But even in the the week or week and a half, however long I've had it now, uh, I've I've come around on it, and I find the widgets really useful. Uh, I've been running most of the month. I've been running one that shows us uh, shows me the St. Jude amount that we raise, and then the weather and my current. Uh, this one's in beta. It's not out yet, but my current timery uh, time entry that's working. Yeah. I spoke to Joe, the developer yesterday. I was like, can I mention that you're working on it? He said, yes. So not in trouble. Um, and yeah, I, I find it really useful. In fact, I have, I've ordered a stand for my desk where my phone can stand up at an angle so I can see it a little bit better. And I think it's pretty cool with the wallpaper too. The, the photo I use in my wallpaper right now, it's a picture of my wife when we were in Colorado. and I did one of the effects where like it colors the background. I did that like a dark blue. And so when it's in always on mode, that fades away and you kind of, I can see kind of a dimly, you know, cut out version of Mary, you know, looking off into the, the mountains or whatever. And I think it's nice because it, it preserves some of the personality of your phone, even when it's just sitting there. Right. And I, I, I still think I would like the option to do an all black display. And there are a couple ways that you can do that. Um, it's one way is like buried in a focus mode setting, but I think, I think people want more control over it, but I think the effect is really neat. And a bunch of different photos that I've used, they all work pretty well with it. You know, Apple's doing a lot of intelligent stuff around photos and cutouts and colors and stuff this year. And I think they've put together something that's very aesthetically pleasing also being really useful. Yeah, I did a tutorial in the labs for this. If you go into focus modes, and so much of what we're going to talk today kind of relies on focus modes at the end of the day. These two features are very connected. Mm -hmm. But in focus mode, any for any particular focus mode, and if you go under the options screen, there is an, a setting called dim lock screen, which I think meant something entirely different before iOS 16. But now what it does is when you put it in always on mode 
the wallpaper disappears and you get a black screen with just the time and the widgets. So if you want that and you use these focus modes, then it's simple enough. You just turn off the dim lock screen. In fact, you can do it for all your focus modes and then it'll never show up. Uh, but you're right. It should be a different setting somewhere where it's like a global thing where you can just say, you know, don't ever show me the wallpaper. I feel like that's kind of a yes or no thing for people. It's like, I either like the wallpaper or I don't, and it shouldn't be contingent on what focus mode you're in. And I wouldn't be surprised if we get that in a point update pretty soon. Cause it seems like there's enough talk about this, that Apple yeah. is going to do something. That being said, I actually like the wallpaper. I'm going to keep it turned on. And this always on screen is something that really makes these widgets more useful, you know, and I, uh, and I just want to talk about some of the stuff we're doing with them. Uh, one thing I want to touch on uh, while we're on the always unlock screen is we've gotten some email from people about, well, what about at night? Is this screen just always lit up at night? And uh, the answer by default is yes. But if you use a sleep focus, one thing that does is it um, it turns the screen off at night. And I think people hear sleep focus and they think, well, I don't want Apple telling me what time I should go to bed. Like the sleep and like the bedtime alarm stuff are separate things. And so I also don't want that. I basically go to bed about the same time every night anyways. But I don't um, I don't use the bedtime reminder thing in the health app. And so you can separate those things. And so I have a, a custom lock screen for my sleep focus that if I do pick it up or interact with it, it will come, it'll come on. And I've got a widget for the weather, uh, one that shows sunrise, one that shows my, my alarm and one that shows, uh, my charge of my Apple watch, because I may be charging my watch, uh, to sleep track now with the ultra, which we'll get to, <laughs> The battery's life is so good, you just never have to think about it anymore. But um, yeah. you don't, uh, if you haven't used Sleep Focus before and you have an always-on display on your phone, now's the time to explore it. And you, you're not chained to all of the other sleep stuff and health if you don't want it to be, which I think is nice. I think that was the right call on Apple because some people don't want that stuff. I actually like it. And so it plays the um, the go-to-sleep song for me every night at like 10.30 <laughs> Mm-hmm. And my wife just laughs at me. She's like, "Oh, I guess it's bedtime for you," <laughs> you know, because you know, da da da. You know, but the uh, you could you don't have to do that. It, you could have a sleep focus, which is easy enough, and then you could set an automatic turn on for whatever time. Let's say you normally go to bed at eleven. Uh, you just set that focus mode to trigger at eleven p.m., and your watch, your phone will not have the always on screen when once that triggers so it's not that difficult you know i i don't know and and the battery life thing i haven't noticed you know that's the other i guess that's the other complaint we've heard about some people saying they think it slows down the battery and i'm not sure that's even true like it's it's refreshing one time per second which means that's not very many times you know um in terms of you know these things that usually refresh you know maybe 120 times per second mm-hmm. um so i i just feel like i don't know it's uh, i just feel like generally there's like seems to be this uh, this bad rap for this feature in the community and i find it very useful for me to have those widgets available to me but i'm also a very proficient user of focus modes and that means when the always on screen goes on, if I'm in work mode, it is showing me stuff that's relevant to my work mode. And when I'm in, you know, reading mode or 
personal time. It's, you know, it adapts to what I'm doing. And I think that's kind of what Apple's aiming for. I think it is a bit of a power user feature, but we are the Mac power users. You're listening to the show. And if you put this stuff to work for you, it actually makes your phone more useful. I, uh, I just, I really like it. I guess I, I'm waxing on about it, but <laughs> I, I, I want to advocate, I want to advocate for it because I feel like more people need to try this. And, um, and I get that there are users out there that are not going to go down that rabbit hole, but the ones that do, uh, give, get something for it. You know, I mean, the whole, one of the big things, you know, I was talking earlier about my life purpose being Max Sparky. One of the big things to me, in fact, maybe the big thing is this idea of focus and that, you know, technology needs to serve us better. And so much of technology now steals focus, you know, just look at anybody, watch anybody scroll Instagram or, you know, doom scroll the news or go get lost in Facebook. And you realize that technology is doing the exact opposite of what it's supposed to be doing for that person. But if you work at this stuff, if you use features like this, you can actually be more efficient and focused and get more out of your life. But you got to do the work. Damn, I am preaching a lot today. I'm sorry. You are. Man. Let's let's talk yeah. about some apps. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. We, we've got a couple of roundups in the show notes. So the guys at Mac Stories and the folks over at Macworld put together some lists of things that they have found. But we want to talk about some of the ones that that we've come across and that we are using. Let's start with this. On your, I know you use a lot of focus modes, but on your sort of default lock screen, what are you using? <laughs> What, what does that even mean to I don't me? Know. Uh, yeah, no, I know, I know. Yeah. Not recording, uh, just, you know, not sleeping. I don't know. Yeah, so just going through, um, we're going to talk about focus modes later, but like the, the podcasting is a good example right now. You know, I've got time zones showing the time in Memphis and London uh, because the two people I podcast with in Central Time, Stephen and Mike, you know, and then Rosemary, who's in London. So I always can see what time it is for you. While I'm podcasting, when I look down, um, I've got the temperature in the studio here, so I know what's going on, and that's it, you know. And I'm these are still an evolution for me, you know, but I'm just kind of figuring it out. And I, I really find that you know, going through and and customizing them to what you're doing, like my general work mode has my next event, and I'm using Fantastical for that. Uh, the Apple Calendar also has that ability. The Fantastical gives you four different options. You know, you can get next event, you can get three weeks of dates. So like if you just want to put a calendar on showing what day of the week, you know, for the next three weeks, you can do that. They have limited space here, right? You know, but they can do that. And then there's also a new event tab um, or a new event widget there with Fantastical. But I use the next event. So so generally that's on my screen all day as I as I go through. Um, because I'm doing the studio move and, and the air condition isn't working yet, that's a, another kind of behind the scenes thing. I'm actually monitoring the temperature quite a bit lately because I don't want to overheat in here. Um, but I do that. And then like, I've got like an OmniFocus in general, I have like a new, uh, I've got an OmniFocus button that shows how many like do items I have. But if I tab on it, I can add a new item very quickly. So like in my general view, those are the ones I'm using. Now, if Apple gave me another row, I would I would use it. Yeah, the an extra row would be sweet. Or just optionally, you know, but you know, we're we're asking for a lot. They they got the feature shipped this year, you know. Yeah. So for me, my walking around 
lock screen is like I said, it's it's currently St. Jude, the weather timery, and then at the top I have my next event. I explained my sleeping one. I, I'm building one for recording, and it's basically like yours, where it has temperature and time zone stuff, and the, the next event. Because you know, I, I like you record people from all around the world, and it's very helpful to know at a glance what time it is for Federico. With Mike, I can basically do it without thinking, but adding the one hour for Federico breaks my brain somehow. And so that's uh, that's that's basically my my normal setup, but there are a lot of really cool apps that I think depending on what's going on would, will, will make it on a focus lock screen for me or just one that I cycle through, you know, depending on what's going on. And for me, the, the first example that, that I've already done is, uh, is parcel where like, you know, waiting on an Apple watch to show up, that baby was on my lock screen so I could see when it was getting delivered. Nice. Um, I want to wind back though. You said you've got the St. Jude number showing up on your lock screen. Yeah. How are you doing? How are you doing that? Yeah. So some people in the membership discord for relay put together a, uh, iOS app that tracks the campaign and all the sub campaigns and everything. And they made a lock screen widget for it. So I'm using their app, nice. which is like test flight only. And then, so I could just look at my phone and, and see, Oh, we've raised this or that. And, uh, you know, sad to let that go at the end of the month because it's been there, but uh, was really cool. Yeah, and then another one that we should mention. I think we talked about this on the iOS 16 show, but Widget Smith is killer here because it basically lets you construct your own lock screen widgets. Like if you want to put some words there, or you want to, you know, whatever. There are a lot of options you have with it. Um, so if you want to, it's almost like a widget construction kit. Um, Mm -hmm. and I feel like that's a really good one. If you're looking to like, try and get more out of this. Yeah, it's fantastic. You like those uh, folks that like I'm borderline on this, you know, the people who have like the picture of the cat hanging on the the limb, this is like (laughs) hanging there or, you know, the picture of the Eagle, like flying over a Canyon and it says courage underneath. Yeah. You know, (laughs) I'm not that bad, but I'm, I'm on the spectrum of that, you know? (laughs) So I could see like, like writing something inspirational and sticking it there. If you really want it, you could do that with widget Smith. Definitely. Yeah. My time zones that I'm doing is, is widget Smith and I've got several cities there all side by side. Yeah. Pedometer plus plus another underscore app. Uh, if you want to keep track of your steps, you can have it show up there. The task managers are, uh, are showing up, you know, things is there. OmniFocus is there reminders surprisingly not there i i don't know what's going on with reminders i mean that's a they're they keep making progress that app i'm surprised that apple didn't give them some kind of support there are quite a few like first party apps that just don't have lock screen widgets i mean if you look through the list some are there like clock and stocks and Reminders is there, but all it is is quick access to one of your lists. There's no like how many things are left today. Um, it's a bit, it's a bit strange and, you know, Apple runs all of its software as like a series of projects. Like there's a reminders team, there's a notes team, et cetera, et cetera. Sometimes they're not all in sync. And I think, I think we're seeing that here. Yeah. One thing I have found is that in general, when picking widgets, I am looking for informational versus actionable. 
Um, I would much rather have like, like OmniFocus. I like to see uh, a counter for overdue items. If there are any, like I have one as I sit here. Um, but as opposed to like push this button to add a new task, I don't really want that. I, I want information, not action from these. That's my general experience with them at this point. Maybe that'll change in six months. And uh, actionable stuff is actually fairly limited. I mean, uh, I too am, uh, am using some of the timery stuff. And like uh, Joe is putting a lot of informational stuff in there because I think he's already discovering it's difficult to like interact a lot with stuff based on a widget. I mean, you're really just triggering it is what you're doing. It's not like mm-hmm. you can, you know, if you think about the old days, the, um, you know, the, uh, what was it called? The, you know, the screen to the left of the main screen on the phone. I always forget what that's called. The today view. The today view. Yeah. The, the historic widgets you could put there where you could interact with them. You know, James Thompson made a calculator for instance, this isn't that, you know, this is definitely more informational. And if you keep that in mind when you're setting it up, I think you get more value out of it. Yeah, I'm of the same mindset. Like to do as French as the task manager I use, they've got one to like quickly add a task or, you know, I think Fantastical has one to like quickly add an event. And for me, I, I view it much more as kind of like the old dashboard. Like I just want to go and see what's going on. And yeah, it's nice that if I accidentally left a timer running, I can tap it and go stop it. But for the most part, I'm much happier with these being informational and contextual through focus modes and not being a, you know, some sort of launcher to get further into my phone. And people may feel differently about that, but that's kind of where I come down on it. Yeah, I, I really feel like, you know, just kind of use it for what it was designed for and um, and you'll get value. This episode of the Mac Power Users is made possible by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. With Squarespace, you can stand out with a beautiful website. You can engage with your audience and sell anything, products, services, and even content. Squarespace's online store is really awesome. You can sell physical or digital products. They have all the tools you need to get started. Plus, you can use their insights to see what is performing well, where traffic is coming from, how you are gaining your customers. And you can even set up email templates with Squarespace. You can have a form that comes up. You can change a visitor into a customer. And all of their great analytics apply to both the website and the emails. It's really cool to see exactly what's going on. I absolutely love building on Squarespace because it can make everything so much simpler to expand over time. So think about a project. It may start small. Maybe you're just starting with a website and a contact form. Then maybe you add a blog or a podcast or maybe a gallery to show off some work. Well, with Squarespace, you can just add those additional features as you go. All automatically kind of reworks itself, the navigation. You don't, have to, you don't have to worry about breaking something because you need a new feature. That's really, really a cool part about Squarespace. So head on over to squarespace.com MPU for a free trial There's no credit card required, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code MPU to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain name. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash MPU, and when you decide to sign up, use the offer code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for the show.
Okay, now we get to talk about focus filters <laughs> and focus. Yeah. So just to overview quickly, um, the the big problem with the original implementation of focus modes was the exclusive or the inclusive nature of how you create them. You know, so when you create a focus mode to say like, I want to be in work mode, and then you would say, well, these are the people I want to be able to reach me when I'm in work mode. And if you worked with three people, that made it pretty easy, right? You'd put in, you know, Stephen, Mike, and Rosemary, and then they could get to you. But what if you have a hundred clients, you know, and the client Mm -hmm. list changes? the only way you could do it was to manually add them. And, you know, I, I said at the time, boy, wouldn't it be nice if you could get contact groups or, you know, and, and put them, they haven't done that, but what they have done is add a switch where you can make it inclusive or exclusive. So then I could say, uh, like, for instance, I have a personal focus mode. Well, that was kind of difficult before because if I want, you know, usually when I'm in personal time, I don't mind if people contact me, you know? So Am I going to go through and manually add every person in my contact database to let them through? No, that's crazy. Um, But now they have an exclusive filter. So I can say when I'm in personal mode, anybody can contact me, excluding the following people. And um, I was joking about this on automators, but right now there's nobody in that list. But I was dealing with something from the old law practice a few weeks ago, and there were definitely people on that list, you know, that I didn't want to hear from when I was in personal time. And um, so it just, you know, it gives you a lot more power because you can make an exclusive or inclusive list. And this applies to both uh, notifications from other people and from apps. So the same thing goes for app exclusions. Like if you want to be in work mode and only hear from Slack and, you know, Basecamp and whatever your, you know, Microsoft Teams or whatever, you can do that. But then when you switch to personal mode, Maybe you want to hear from any app except Microsoft Teams and Basecamp and Slack, you know, and you can now, it just gives you a lot more power. So that's the first big change, which in my mind is probably the most important change because it gives you a lot more flexibility in creating focus modes. Yeah, such an obvious uh, miss in the first round of of focus uh, being a feature, but so glad they added it and it makes it really a lot easier to not only to manage, but to change focus modes over time, right? Because over time, your coworkers change or, you know, oh, I really need this person, you know, kid gets a new teacher. I really want to add this teacher. So if they call me, it gets through. And I'm I'm a huge fan of these, uh, of this change. Yeah, I agree. I just, I don't think it was a miss so much as they just didn't have time, you know, and, you know, because this is tied into the OS, they didn't make it in term for, in time for iOS 16, and it just got pushed a year, you know, and, uh, but it's there now. And and this is like the enable, the great enabling feature that makes everything else possible. And then, so now that you can make focus modes that are inclusive or exclusive, what do you, what's the benefit of doing it? Why should I bother? Okay. Well, the first reason you should bother is because you can exclude people when you're in personal time or include people when you're in work time, et cetera. Um, but also they've added all these bonus features this year. And some of them were there last year, kind of half-hearted. This year they're fully engaged. So you've got custom home or lock screens, which were kind of goes into the last segment. We're going to come back to that in a minute. Custom watch face, you know. And so you can now really have things change when you turn these modes on. 
which helps you stay focused into whatever mode you're in. And I think, you know, this kind of goes to my preachy bit from the last segment. Mm. Uh, you start putting this stuff into place and suddenly you can actually kind of stay on target. Uh, so you want to start with locks and home screens? Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's start there. Uh, again, some of this was present first time around, right? Where you could go in and change your, uh, your home screen. And, and this is a little bit separate from the feature that's also there where you can hide home screens. So I have like a travel home screen that's hidden all the time unless I'm traveling, but, yeah. uh, yeah, it, it totally can change the the whole personality of your phone, especially now that it extends onto the lock screen. So like my recording one that I've been playing with, it's just straight black. So like I know if I see that, our brain knows like, oh, right, you're recording. Stop looking at your phone. Or you were recording yeah. early. You didn't come out of this focus mode. And And for me, I think color is actually a really interesting way to manage this. Um, I do this now in my task manager and my time tracking because I, I tend to keep those project names in sync most of the time. And so like green is my projects for each of my podcasts and in time timery, all my podcasts are green. And so really my recording one could also be green where like my brain knows like, okay, this color means a certain thing. And with iOS 16's design tools where you can make a gradient or a solid color really easily, you can kind of start color coding your your stuff to like where you know what mode you're supposed to be in. And for me, at least, that's extremely useful. I had no idea you were doing that because I do the same thing. Um, <laughs> so color for context, right? You know, uh, for me, podcasting is green because Mac Power Users has always had green. That was my first podcast, you know. And um, so I have green, my lock screen, um, my lock screen on my phone has the SF symbols microphone with a green background. And so when I go into focus mode for podcasting, suddenly I get widgets that apply. Then all of a sudden, most of my notifications get turned off because when I'm recording, I don't want to be disturbed. Um, the screen on my phone goes green with a big microphone on it saying, Hey, Hey buddy, you're podcasting. Now, if you're sitting around, uh, you know, looking at sound absorbing curtains on, uh, on Amazon, just hypothetically, <laughs> yeah, you should be <laughs> podcasting, you know, and then I did the same thing on my watch and I keep going up and down on watch faces, but lately I've been using the analog infograph face, but I've got like seven copies of it made and the color of the face changes. So when I'm in podcasting mode, again, I've got the infograph analog face, but it's green and I've got the time zone for Memphis and I've got a timer and a stopwatch here. Cause I like to run a stopwatch between segments of the show to make sure that, you know, uh, you know, sometimes we get going and we, you know, we put 40 minutes into the show and we haven't taken a break. So, so I just, you know, I have different tools I use, but then when I switch over to reading a book and go to reading mode, you know, then everything changes. And so I've got different colors, you know, Max Barkey is blue. Uh, podcasting is green. Personal is, is uh, orange. And I, you know, I've got all these colors and they go universally through my whole system. So the calendar events, the timer events, the um, just and anything I do related to it has that color associated with it. And a uh, focus mode is a way to, to trigger that very easily across all my devices. And then I just use a kind of a, a solid or a gradient color, both on the lock screen and behind the icons on the home screen to match and it's a constant reminder for me. So 
when I go into, you know, Max Sparky stuff and I've got that blue background and every time I look at my phone, I know that I should be doing Max Sparky work or if it turn, turns orange, I'm like, Oh yeah, you're off the clock now. Have some fun, you know? So it's just a real simple way to, to kind of wire my brain on this stuff. Yeah. I think color is a, is a underappreciated way to do this. And so it's cool that we're doing the same thing. And it's super easy, right? I mean, you can, especially with iOS 16, you can easily set color backgrounds and uh, just find some colors you like. And then as you start associating them, it, it really does help. But the watch thing actually, to me, I find way more valuable than you'd think. Like, even if you have like a favorite watch face, just make a bunch of copies of it and just change the color for the context. And then anytime you check the time, it's a reminder of what you should be working on right now. Yeah, that's, that's really good. So we haven't talked about focus filters yet, and that's an entirely new feature. So the classic examples are mail and calendar. A focus filter allows you to filter what an app shows you based on what focus mode you're in. So you could say like, if I am in work mode, show me my work calendars, but do not show me my, um, you know, my personal calendar. Like we said at the beginning, this is a section that really isn't super populated with third-party apps yet. So I actually haven't implemented any third-party stuff in focus filters quite yet. For me, it's been playing with calendar and mail and basically hiding work stuff on the weekends. I mean, on, yeah. on, on my phone, I've got just a handful of third-party ones. You know, one is good links where you can filter tags in and out of focus filters. It's like, I have no desire or need to do so. And then the Zones app, which is a time zone app, you can select cities. So say that on the weekend, you didn't want to see time zones where your coworkers are, just where your family is. Again, not a big need for me, but um, I'm keeping my eye on this. Basically, like every, uh, basically, once a week, I'm going in here and seeing, okay, what apps have I updated this week that have maybe populated this menu somehow? Yeah. Um, I am a fan of the fantastic, cause I use fantastic calendar calendars and they've got calendar sets, which is a, a feature. Cause I use a lot. We've talked about this in the past, but I have like planning calendars and individual calendars for different modes of my life. And so I slice and dice those frequently. And with all these focus modes, I can pick different calendar sets per mm-hmm. uh, focus mode, which I find very useful. Um, the mail one, when I'm in personal mode, I turn off my, um, my, uh, my work email. So I don't see it at all when I'm in orange mode, when I'm in personal mode, which I find useful. Um, that was way more useful to me as a lawyer than it is as a Max Sparky because my Max Sparky stuff is fun. (laughs) I don't know for lack of a better word. When you're a lawyer, you get emails where people are like cranky and causing trouble and, you don't want to hit that. Like I remember once being on vacation and an email just like came in that I should not have ever read. And, uh, <laughs> the, um, and, uh, so it's just like, you don't want, like if you've got a stress, a high stress job, I don't have a stressful job anymore. Uh, but if you have a high stress job, I think this in particular would be something where you'd want to put that in place, put that filter in. So when you're with your kids or chilling with your spouse or, pulling weeds in a garden or whatever, you you don't have any ability to see that stuff come in. Yeah. So in addition to all the app filters, there's also a series of system filters. And uh, uh, there aren't a lot. I wish there were more. 
But the first one is appearance. So you can have it do a light appearance or dark appearance with your phone. Like if you wanted to say, like when I'm at work, I'm Darth Vader and I'm in dark mode. And when I'm, you know, at home, I'm relaxing. I put it in light mode. Uh, you could do that. And you can do that by focus mode, uh, which is cool. But I have an additional feature request. What would you like to see it do? I, I want highlight colors. You know, like we have on the Mac, oh, on the Mac yeah. system settings. You can pick a color. Wouldn't it be cool? We just talk, got done talking about color equals context. Say, hey, if I go into you know personal mode, I get an orange highlight color. If I go in max sparky mode, I get a blue highlight color. And then that just starts showing up throughout the system. Um, I, I guess now that I think about it, that's probably not going to happen because they'd have to have a support for a highlight color app developers would have to opt into it. I'm probably making this harder than it, than it needs to be. <laughs> but it'd but be th- cool. That would be cool. <laughs> it would yeah, be cool. it would be. It would be cool. And then there's a low power mode where if you've got a focus mode where you only use when, you know, you're worried about your power or maybe you don't want, maybe you've turned off all the interruptions and everything anyway, so you might as well just save battery and you can put it in low power mode for that. Mm-hmm. I don't really find much use for that. Um, but the, uh, that's cool. I, I do wish there were more system filters. Me too. Like, what? I mean, why don't we have like, say, like a way to turn off the cellular radio if you want, or mm-hmm. you know, a lot of there's a lot of things you could do. Like, if you look through shortcuts, there are a lot of system controls you can access through shortcuts. And in fairness, you know, we, we haven't even mentioned that when you trigger a focus mode, you can have it automatically run a shortcut. So you could do that stuff anyway. But for a lot of people out there, they're not going to figure that out. It'd be cool if they had it built right into the the focus mode. Yeah. My only thought for the low power system filter was maybe you have like a, a hiking or a camping focus if that's something you do a lot. And so maybe it puts like, a, you know, your pedometer count and maybe your activity rings on the lock screen and you enter low power mode because you're going to be out in the woods and I could see why they added that, but I agree with you. Only having the two just makes me want more. And yeah, I mean, really, really though, like, it feels like a bit of a reach because even in shortcuts, it's taken them a long time to expose some of those system settings to where shortcuts can interact with them. Like none of that was there in the beginning and they've slowly added it, but it would be nice to control more parameters of your phone based on the focus mode, right? Like focus mode could become the app level with focus filters, you know, focus mode with your notifications and your lock screen and everything. And also like your iPhone hardware does different things depending on where you are. Yeah. I, I mean, just to be clear, I love what they've done with focus mode. I hope that this is a continued area of, uh, for lack of a better word, focus at Apple. Um, you know, I, I think focus mode could really help a lot of people and the easier they make it, the, the more powerful they make it, and I know those are two different things, but I think they could do both. That's a competitive advantage for the iPhone. It's the device that helps you get your work done. And it's the device that helps you have fun and not get your work done, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yep, yeah, definitely. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Memberful. Go to memberful.com MPU to get best-in-class membership software for independent creators, publishers, educators, podcasters, and more. Get started now with no credit card required. Once again, memberful.com slash MPU. I love doing memberful ad reads because I am a memberful subscriber. When I decided to hang up the law practice and open the Max Sparky Labs, memberful is what came to my rescue. 
Memberful is the easiest way to sell memberships to your audience used by the biggest creators on the web, including Relay.fm and the Max Markey Labs. So with Memberful, you can generate sustainable recurring income while diversifying your revenue stream. You might have heard us talking about the Relay FM membership program because it's on the Memberful platform. And they make it super easy to generate that extra revenue stream and deliver bonus content to our members. I was worried when I stopped being a lawyer because I gave up a lot of income and I wanted to do more with my audience. I wanted to engage them directly. I wanted to share more. And the Max Markey Labs is how I was able to do that. And Memberful has been there for me every step of the way. Every time I've had any kind of idea for a new feature or a new way to implement something, they're right there with me and they've helped me. They've even implemented stuff into their platform at my request. Uh, they've been super helpful and just a really good partner with the Max Barkey Labs. Memberful's played a key role in my ability to continue to make Max Barkey content and pay for my shoes. So maybe you're already producing content and relying on advertising or other means of income. Memberful makes it easy to diversify that income with everything you need to run a membership program, including custom branding, gift subscriptions, Apple Pay, free trials, private podcasts, and tons more, while leaving you with full control and ownership of everything that relates to your audience, your brand, and your membership. And you can now send paid email newsletters directly through Memberful without needing to connect to a third-party email provider. You can even publish your paid newsletter content to a Memberful-hosted members-only website, and there's no additional fee when signing up for Memberful's pro or premium plans. Plus, you'll save money compared to other popular hosted newsletter platforms. So if you're a content creator, Memberful can help you monetize that passion and get started for free at memberful.com MPU. And there's no credit card required. That's memberful.com MPU. Go there now. Check it out. It could be the start of something exciting. And our thanks to Memberful for their support of the Mac Power users and all of their help with Relay FM and the Mac Sparky Labs. So we wanted to highlight some of the apps that we've seen come out with nice iOS 16 updates. And again, a lot of apps have done this. It's kind of looking at some of our favorites. And I wanted to start yeah. with a couple of camera apps because there's some stuff in the new iPhone 14 Pro in particular with that 48 megapixel sensor. Um, but also one thing that I had not considered, I'm not a camera app developer, spoiler alert, uh, but the people who are really smart and they like, look, for the first time, you can have a third party camera app available on your lock screen. Now you can't change the flashlight and camera in the lower corners I think maybe that would be an interesting thing Apple could look at in the future. But if you use Obscura or Halide, both of these uh, apps have done this, where you can put a, uh, a lock screen widget on there, tap it, and it goes into their app instead. So I know that's been a complaint and a point of friction for people who always shoot in third-party camera apps, and Apple's finally kind of created this back door for them to, to make it onto the lock screen. Yeah. I, and, you know, we have talked for years about let Apple letting third-party apps into the control center and the lock screen. Yeah, definitely. We've been talking about it so long that we've, we've talked about it so long that we've stopped talking about it, right? <laughs> you know, because we just kind of gave up on it. But this is a bit of a hack, but it gets you there. And uh, the big advantage for this is if you're using an iPhone 14 Pro and you want to shoot 48 megapixel images, you know, you know, fully use the sensor rather than have it be like a super 12 megapixel, just turn it into a 48 megapixel. Um, both Halide and Obscura now are supporting that. So 
that's all the more reason to get this thing plugged in. Have you done that much? Have you shot many full, you know, um, 48 megapixel images? Yeah, I have. So I've been using Halide, which has a lot of options to shoot raw and JPEG and raw. And it's really stunning, especially if you're outdoors in like full sunlight. The amount of detail that 48 megapixel sensor can capture is really astonishing. And, you know, you get into low light in some of the situations where it's going to bend down to 12 megapixels. But in the right situations, it's really nice. And I kind of wish Apple would give us the ability to shoot 48 megapixel non-RAW photos. Because, you know, the RAW workflow, like, the files are really, really big. And some people don't know what to do with them. And, you know, they're kind of a hassle. Um, He can... uh, uh, Halide can go in and kind of give you the the best of what the sensor can do, and I've been I've been having a lot of fun. It's really been the first time, and I feel like a long time where like I'm I'm genuinely excited about the new things this camera system can do. It's always nice that it's better every year, but this is like a new territory. Yeah, I agree, and that um, I agree with you that the raw making people shoot raw just adds a lot of complexity. And most iPhone photographers are used to just pushing the button and getting a, a pretty good image. And you don't get that with raw. You've got to do additional work. And I wonder if that's the problem, if that all of those additional processes on a 12 megapixel image, well, now you make it four times as hard with four times as many pixels. Maybe is the chip not up to, you know, the image processing chip not up to it, or at least at the speed that's acceptable to them. Um, I feel like there's probably an explanation that involves something about processing power. All right, so Halide, I think that's the one, right? That's probably the app you should buy if you want to try this. I think so. I think it's it's the the most powerful that sort of combines like the best user interface for this. And I, I would put Obscura like right up there too, but Halide Mark II is is really phenomenal. And uh, another cool thing they've done with their lock screen widgets like you can set up a photography lock screen and they have multiple widgets that get you into specific parts of the application so if you want to open the viewfinder in manual focus or in autofocus those can be widgets you can have lenses and cameras pre-selected they've really gone much further than i would have anticipated with this and you can turn your lock screen with highlight into like a multi-function camera all of a sudden and I feel like this is a feature that is going to get aped by a lot of camera apps. I mean, it's so obvious, right? Mm-hmm. So even if you're not a Halide fan, maybe there's a different camera app you like, check it. Because if they don't have it now I'd, and, and it's actively developed, I'd be surprised if it doesn't have it in three months. Widgetsmith is uh, another application that, of course, has been updated for the lock screen. Uh, our friend David has done a whole lot with widgets in this application, uh, and he's added the ability to make lock screens. So my time zone one that we mentioned earlier, that's a Widgetsmith lock screen complicate or lock screen widget. What I think is clever about what he's done is he's he's been able to build these into Widgetsmith basically in parallel with the regular home screen widgets. And so if you're used to how Widgetsmith works. It, they basically work the same way, just kind of a different path through the application. But also for iOS 16 and his big 4.0 update he released, he brought in a lot of tools from his other applications. So Pedometer++ is still around, but there's a step counter now in a Widgetsmith. There's a workout tracker 
which I think he called Activity Plus Plus. I forget the name of that one, but uh, there's a sleep tracker. There's time zone converter. So his app Calzones, which is spectacular, that's now built into WidgetSmith. And so he's he's turned WidgetSmith into just an app for making widgets to where now you can tap that widget. It goes into WidgetSmith and you can deal with your data. You can pull your calendars and reminders and stuff in. So WidgetSmith has only become uh, more critical to how I work on my phone over the last uh, last couple of years. And his iOS 16 update is just icing on that cake for me. And, you know, David Smith, I just want to call him out. Uh, he's a friend, so take this how you will. But he um, deservedly got a hit with Widget Smith. I mean, Dave was making apps, so many apps, right? And he was like the classic indie developer, always at WWC, coming up with new apps based on whatever Apple, you know, features we got that year and seeing what would work. And, you know, really working at the trade. And then he got Widget Smith, which took off. And he just keeps adding more and more power to it. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, everybody copied him. I mean, he, when Widget Smith w- blew up, suddenly there's like 10 other apps that have the word widget in them and some variation of Smith or something that make it to confuse people. You yeah. Know? yeah. But, but none of them add features like he does. I mean, like you said, now there's a step counter, a workout tracker, a sleep thing. You know, it's like a time zone converter. I mean, he just keeps, not only does he make widgets, but he's built these um, utilities, these additional yeah. tools. And, and as the user, what that means is then I become a widget creator using his app because I get to choose, well, which of these tools am I going to pull out of the box? Where am I going to put it? What color am I going to wrap it in? What am I going to make? And this is like the widget part of it, but then, then, Oh, and by the way, I made this cool thing. I'm going to stick it on my lock screen too. And I just, you know, good on him. And, uh, I, you know, I, I could probably write him and ask for a license. I make Mac power users. I pay for it every year. I feel like this guy deserves every penny he gets from, from all this work. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fantastic. And we're going to talk more about him in the Apple watch ultra chapter because he's put together maybe the ultimate review of the watch, but we will, uh, we'll get to that sticker drop. Yeah. This I is didn't cool. know about this one. Yeah. You, you turned me onto this, but it's so obvious. Explain this one. Yeah, so iOS 16 has the has the feature where, say, you have a picture of your significant other, you know, standing in a field, and you can press and hold on their body, and iOS 16 will lift them out, you know, cut the background away from them. It's like a cool feature, but I didn't really know what to do with it until this app came along. So Sticker Drop is three bucks, and it's an iMessage sticker app. But it utilizes the cutout technology in iOS 16. And so you can have a photo in the Photos app on your phone, select the subject, lift it off, and those stay present. It's like drag and drop. So you can then quit the Photos app, open sticker drop, drop it in, and it creates an iMessage sticker out of whatever that image is. So you can have a bunch of stickers of you know, your family members or your dog or whatever it may be. And you can break them into collections in this, in the app. So it's a, a easy to stay organized. And I'm just having a lot of fun with it. I, it's been a long time since I've really used any iMessage app besides like the GIF searching, but this is really cool. And it, it for me, it's, it's a good use of this cut out the background technology that iOS 16 comes with. And it's just, it's been fun. It's been, been fun. Yeah, you know, and we get into really nerdy stuff here on Mac Power Users sometimes, but this is one where 
you can go find your significant other or some friend and install it on their phone for them and just show them how it works. And they are going to love it. This is what, this is an app that I think everybody likes. Just like that feature is so popular already. You know, I'm already, my kids, one of my kids said, dad, did you know that you can drag a face out? You know, then it's like, yeah, I have a podcast. Don't you listen to my podcast? You know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, But the, uh, yeah. So I think that feature is, is kind of starting to, to land with normal people. And I think this app is like the perfect pairing for it. So if you've got somebody that likes their photos, go, go show them sticker drop and they'll, they'll think you're very cool for it. In the, this is just fun category. Uh, I wanted to bring up Apollo for Reddit. We had Christian, the developer on uh, a little while ago, but he's done a lot with iOS 16. So he has a bunch of widgets and some of them are like, yes, open my subreddit of choice or whatever. But he also has one that measures the distance you scrolled in the app, like puts it in a lock screen widget, which is hilarious to me. I've never thought about that as a metric in terms of iPhone apps. And he also has this feature called Pixel Pals, which are just little pixelated animals that walk around the dynamic island if you have the new 14 Pro. Yeah. Just for fun. The hedgehog is adorable. Uh He's just having fun with these features. And, and so Apollo and Sticker Drop are kind of in the same category for me. We're like, it's just using this technology. Like, yeah, you should use it for weather and tasks and contacts and that sort of thing. But there's just something about this this design of this new phone, the dynamic island, that's fun. And some of these apps kind of tie into that. Yeah, I, I am still loving the dynamic island. And uh, again, this is another one that I'm seeing some negative talk of but i i just think it's a really clever way to hide the fact that there's some sensors and a camera under the screen and those cutouts and um i actually do like the i do like the you know the the methodology of giving me the notifications and showing me what's playing and um you know good on apple i mean i feel like we've been critical of software and design in general of apple um sometimes justifiably over the last several years but i feel like this is like apple at their best I think so too. It's it's the whimsy that you know we we talk about all the time, kind of in a in a new way. Yeah. Okay. So what isn't out yet that we're kind of holding off for and hoping that we can get more out of with the software, you know, coming down the road. The the biggest thing here is live activities, which is a persistent style of notification that updates over a time period. So. Apple, I think, talked a lot about sports games in this, but you can also see it for like waiting on an Uber or you have a food delivery. Anything that is that in the past would send you a bunch of notifications over a set period of time, live activities will kind of combine those into one. And if you're on a phone with a dynamic island, it happens up there. If you're not, then it happens on the lock screen. So it is coming to all iOS 16 phones, which is really nice. And I think it's just going to be a nice way to declutter your notifications, right? A very common one for me is uh, I, you know, have a football team and they, you know, may get a a push notification every time someone scores a touchdown. Well, like that could add up, right? And if I'm not, if I'm doing something else, yeah. I, I want to be aware of how the game is going, but I don't need my phone vibrating uh, all the time. And so it, it's, I think it's a really clever way to take a whole class of notifications and make them something new. And that's going to be coming with iOS 16.1. It looks like I was linking the show notes to a, a Mac rumor story, showing them, showing you how it looks and how it works. 
And I'm excited about this. I think it's going to be uh, a real game changer for a lot of different types of applications. And I think for iOS 14 Pro, that will tie into Dynamic Island as well, as I understand. Yeah. But yep. I guess we have to wait and see. Uh, stage manager still not here. I mean, that's kind of getting onto the iPad, and we'll talk about that when it comes around. But they continue to make alterations to it. They they do. It's been a real uh, journey <laughs> for a stage manager. Yeah, yeah. The one that I'm really interested in is this. They made this announcement at um, WWDC about Freeform. It's their kind of brainstorming, mind mapping, collaborative app. Mm-hmm. And there, there are a lot of competitors and apps like this. But you know, I as I've said in the past, I'm a big fan of the Infinite Canvas. You know, ID ideation. I hate that I said that word, but you know, <laughs> you know, this like you know the big canvas where you can like just sit and work with your ideas. That's one of the reasons why I like MindNode so much. And uh, I'd love to see this. And I'm a little surprised we haven't learned more about it, or they don't even have like a, a beta out of it yet. Yeah, it's totally MIA. And so maybe this is like a 16.2 or 16.3 feature. Maybe it's a little ways off, but I, I am with you. I'm very curious about it. And I, I hope that there's enough there that we can do a big episode about it. Because I think it could be really cool. We just don't know. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> and I've I've been playing with a lot of these apps. There's a great app called Miro that I like, and you know, um, there's Concepts which I like, but they haven't got syncing. They just announced that they're working on syncing, so hopefully that gets there. But you know, I feel like there's something to be said for Apple simplicity for this type of app. I don't really want it to be super complex. So yeah, but please Apple, you could you could send it to the Mac Power Users hosts. We would love to see it. Yeah. We'll give you nice advice. Nice <laughs> advice. <laughs> this episode of MPU is made possible by Clean My Mac X. You want to make sure that you can trust your Mac. It's a crucial tool for work, education, and life. MacPaw is on a mission to help machines help you, which is why they developed Clean My Mac X, an ideal decluttering app for the Mac that can help keep it in tip top shape. Clean by Mac X includes 49 tools to find and delete invisible computer junk. It helps tune up Mac OS so it runs at maximum speed. Plus, it organizes disk space, showing your large hidden folders. Meaning you can free up tons of space so your Mac never runs into issues with storage. It fights Mac-specific malware and adware protecting your computer and prevents a Mac from cluttering, lagging, and slowing down. Clean My Mac X's all-new menu bar app helps you take care of your Mac's health quicker than ever. It has six detailed monitors that provide useful information about your Mac's storage, state of protection, CPU performance, RAM, battery, and network speeds. Clean My Mac X is notarized by Apple and is available in the Mac App Store. It's been checked thoroughly for security, and it really stands out in its design. It's beautiful. And last year, Clean My Mac was honored with the Red Dot Award, UX Design Award, and has become a Webby Award nominee this year. Despite the war in MacPaw's home country, Ukraine, the team has worked hard to make sure there are no disruptions in the support and development of Clean My Mac X. The product is stable, safe, and secure. You can get Clean My Mac X today with 5% off at MacPaw.app/mpu. This discount is only valid for two weeks, so go now to macpaw.app slash MPU for 5% off. The link is also in the show notes. Our thanks to Clean My Mac X for their support of the show. 
All right. So, uh, Stephen, we both got Apple Watch Ultras. We were talking about it before they arrived, our concerns about it. What is your, uh, what's your experience with it now that you've got one? Is it on your wrist right now? It is. It's right here. Uh, I've, right. I've really enjoyed it. It's the first time in a long time I've had people come up to me and be like, oh, is that the new thing? <laughs> right. And probably because yeah. it's big and orange and it, it, it does stand yeah. out. But I've been, I've been really happy with it. Um, I was worried about the size, but it works for me. I couldn't go any bigger, I don't think. But I've been, I've been pleasantly surprised by how it fits and how it looks and very impressed. Yeah, I I had the exact same experience as we talked about on the show. If I sent it back, the primary reason was going to be because of the size. Like I liked the features. I'm pretty I'm okay with the industrial design. I think I, part of me likes the industrial design, but I was worried that it would just feel like wearing like Do you ever see those cartoons when you're a kid where like the giant would have a grandfather clock watch? They you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's like the, the old, I think it was an old Bugs Bunny cartoon, but the, there was a giant as like the giant and he had a watch that was a grandfather. I, I felt it was going to wear a grandfather clock on my wrist, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, but but it wasn't, you know, it fits and it's not that heavy for what it is. The titanium helps over the steel. And as soon as I put it on and looked at it, I'm like, uh oh, this is this is going to stay. Now I got to figure out how to sell my other watch. <laughs> but the uh, but yeah, it's 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 totally good. I, I like it. And the industrial design looked a little off to me when the leaks came out but now that i see it on my wrist it's you know the little crown guard is not that big of a deal and i kind of am growing accustomed to the flat face i kind of like the flat face i I like the flat face a lot uh how do you feel about the screen size and watch os 9 i kind of have this feeling i can't shake that they're not really doing enough with the the larger screen 100% 100% agree. I feel like some of my watch faces look too small on it. And also, I think that like because of the the dimensions of the screen, you could make the text bigger. Like even just like, like for instance, I'm looking right now at the infograph face, as I talked about earlier, and I've got the next appointment listed around the edge of the, the dial. And the text is pretty small. And a watch this big, there is plenty of room to make stuff like that bigger. So I'd like to see the interface elements get bigger, or at least the option to make them bigger. It, it does just kind of feel like it's the faces don't quite work on the screen, like they haven't tuned them. Yeah, yeah. I feel like a little bit of finessing would go a long way. And I get the sense that it's like iOS, where Apple, let alone third-party developers, like they shouldn't have to worry about exactly what screen you're on. I mean, how much work has Apple done over the years to abstract away the screen size from iOS apps? But I feel like at least with the watch faces, it would be nice to to see them fit a little bit a little bit better, like be a little more appropriate for the larger size. And I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying that there's headroom, I think, and and what they could do. Yeah, like they could tune it a little better. Yeah. What do you think of the new face? Uh, it's fine. I uh, I'm not a big fan of faces that have like the curvy uh, complications. I mean, I basically usually just use either modular compact or the regular modular. I have one set up though. Like I like the orange. I like the night mode thing, even though I don't have a big need for it. I think it's cool. I also like why don't all the other watch faces have a night mode? Right, like, why is just the one? Yeah, it's cool looking. Like, it's nice. I think it's my favorite of sort of this class of 
watch face, but I'm just not big on the curvy complications because it's it's hard to read event names and like it's just, it gets a little bit crowded. Yeah, I really wanted to like it and use it. And I think it looks cool, but I don't find it that useful. And like it puts like the coordinates of where you are and the text is so small. Yeah, I, I turned mean, that I off. Get it that <laughs> I was like, I can't handle this. <laughs> if, if you've got really good eyesight, but I mean, it's, it's, I think it's unusable for like 75% of the population. And so it's like, I'm not even sure why that's there. But that kind of led me down the path that led to my recent kind of like embracement of the infograph analog face, because that kind of gives me similar, a similar look, but it's, it's more usable. And uh, so that it kind of led me down a path, but I've still got it there. I've been using it for my workouts, but I, I'm not sure how long that'll last because, you know, a different face takes over when I do workouts anyway. The, but the overall design I like, um, let's take a minute to talk about battery life because it is insane. I went, I went to bed last night. I did a workout yesterday of about an hour and my battery life was 75% when I went to bed last night. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm currently on day two and I'm at 48%. Like it, there there's, yeah. and that's with a, a long workout yesterday. There's no comparing this battery life to any other Apple watch. It's so far beyond anything I've ever used. It's really nice. And I will temper that with, at least for me, not the most comfortable watch to sleep in, I think because of its size. But if you do sleep track, this is like the watch to get. Yeah, it doesn't feel, because I've, I, I don't wear it every night. I don't sleep track every night, but I do two or three times a week. And so I've slept with it on. It doesn't feel to me much different than my Series 7, which was the large Series 7 watch. So that doesn't bother me. But as an indication of battery life, I put this on at 6 a.m. this morning. And as we record this, it is now 1140, so almost six hours. And I have 95% battery <laughs> life. But I, I, I haven't done a workout yet today because I've been... Well, I have worked out, but I didn't register a workout. But, yeah, you know, it's just, it is crazy, this battery life. I mean, it is, I mean, you used to be able to sometimes squeeze two days out of an Apple Watch if you were careful. I feel like you could probably squeeze four days out of this thing if you wanted. Um, Yeah. That being said, I I still put it on the charger all the time. I haven't unlearned my old habits, but I love that you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, it's really it's really kind of freeing in a way. And we mentioned uh, David Smith earlier, but he took his for a uh, a long hike. I mean, go watch his video and read his blog post. But he seemed equally impressed with with how far he could get while running a workout and mapping and like everything else uh, at the same time. Yeah, and and honestly, it does just feel like an Apple Watch. Still, I mean, it's it's not that different. Uh, design is a little different. It looks a little different, but it's it's effectively just an, an Apple Watch, slightly bigger and with way more battery. I yeah, I'm I very quickly realized I was keeping mine. In fact, you and I were texting each other, and it was like within hours of us putting it on, we both had agreed already that we weren't going to return ours. It didn't yeah. take long. Yeah, I guess that's uh, <laughs> shocking to none of our listeners, right? Right. But the, um, it's big and orange. Like, I, come I on. Legit- <laughs> I legitimately was bought it with the, with giving myself freedom to return it Mm -hmm. thinking I may, you know, because I like my old watch and, uh, but this just brings so much more and, and I do kind of like the ruggedness of it. What do you think of the band? Yeah. So I've got the orange Alpine band and I find it really comfortable. I think there's a 
sort of a learning curve and like getting it on and off quickly because it has this hook that like slides through the outer loops. I, I think that's one reason it's been so noticeable to people because it's like big and orange. So I do I did yeah. order the black and gray trail loop, but it doesn't come to like Thanksgiving. So it'll be uh, it'll be a little ways off there, but uh, I, f- I think it's comfortable. And I think it looks pretty nice, but it's just a little noticeable because it's so orange. Yeah, agreed. And um, it's it's fine though. I mean, I I like it. The only thing I I noticed just yesterday, it's already dirty. You know, I've already yeah. got it dirty, and I I need to look into what's involved with cleaning it because this is going to get dirty pretty fast. But my other bands fit with it too. Like I put my leather band on it the other night. We were going out, and it looked fine. And and I would wear this to like a wedding or something. I don't, you know, I'm just not that fancy, mm-hmm. you know. I don't think anybody's going to care you know, <laughs> that you've got your rugged Apple watch on, you know, how gauche, but the, uh, I, you know, whatever. I also haven't put on a necktie since I quit being a lawyer. So there you go. There you go. Yeah. That's the whole, the whole idea. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was pleasantly surprised with how the bands, the, the larger size bands work on this. I, I think some of them, I mean, I tried a couple different ones now and like, it's definitely skinnier looking. I don't think it's perfect, but I think it's passable. And likewise, you could yeah. go buy, if you really like this orange band, you could go buy it and slap it on a series, you know, five, six or seven. And it worked there too. I think that direction's a little bit weirder because it's like the band is as wide as the watch in some cases, but I'm glad yeah. they were able to keep that compatibility. Like really my hat's off to Apple since, 2015 when the first watch launched i mean you've always been locked into the size right if you had the small watch it the only the small bands would fit but they've kept the general compatibility the whole time and some of my bands like my white sport band is from my like first apple watch and i can still use it today what seven eight years later that's pretty fantastic yeah i agree i i am so in with the bands i have a lot more than I need, but I, I kept buying them from Amazon. You know, they have like the $10 bands and I got a lot of those stretchy ones. I called it like sweatpants for your Apple watch. Mm-hmm. And uh, so just like when you're banging around the house, you know, you put one of those on, but I think I'm going to actually clear out a bunch of them and give some away to some friends. Cause I'm not using as many now. Yeah. Uh, although I'm really tempted by that green Alpine loop. It's like, oh, do I get a second? That one? feels very know. sparky. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it is, right? Former Jungle Cruise skipper. Of course, he's going to get the green alpine. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> oh, Steven, I could pick it up today at the Irvine Apple Store. Oh, I could pick boy. It up today. Well, oh, boy. I won't bind your conscience either way. There we go. Um, <laughs> but you should. So, get it. is it too big? I don't think so. Rosemary Orchard has one and she's keeping it and she is a tiny lady. I, I, I don't, you know, I asked her, so well, if they made a smaller one, would you get the smaller one? She's Oh, definitely. <laughs> but, yeah. but she likes it. You know, the other thing we haven't even mentioned is it's got a shortcuts button on it. You know, I mean, sure. You could use the button to start your workouts, but I could trigger any shortcut with it, you know? And I love that. Yeah. How do you feel about the speed at which it fires shortcuts off? I feel like watchOS has always been a little a little slow there. Yeah, it's the slowest processor for it. Um, next week, we've got an episode of The Automators coming out where Rose and I spent a long time talking about that button. Cool. 
And um, we kind of came up with the conclusion that it's probably best to, because it's not conditional. You can't say if I'm in work mode, work focus mode, then do this shortcut. Or if I'm in personal shortcut mode, do that shortcut. Yeah. So what we, the idea we came up with, and listen to the show if you want the details, but we just came up with a conditional if statement. So like if I'm in work focus mode, and you have to wait for 6.1 because that feature is not in the shipping version of, of iOS 16 right now, but it will be shortly. But they've got an action that says it can say, um, it can check what your focus mode is in shortcuts. Ooh, that's So cool. then you can have an if statement. So if you are in work mode, then the button triggers this shortcut. You know, and so like a work related or maybe for maybe it's trigger your toggle timer or whatever, you know, and and then if I'm in personal mode, then it triggers this shortcut. And that could be something like turn on the air conditioner. Who knows? But but the um, but that's the best workup we could come up with, because I don't want to make it just one thing all the time. And uh, and using focus mode filters, you could do that uh, to, for a full and complete discussion of that. Listen to automators that will come out on Friday. Awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Uh because I played with it a little bit, and I think one thing I was running into was like, yeah, kind of what different shortcuts at different times, right? And so, yeah, I will, exactly. uh, I will be sure to check that out. I'm glad you guys uh, got into that, but I do like the action button, and you you can set it to a shortcut. You can also set it to a flashlight or start a workout. The other things you mentioned, and out of all the stuff on this watch. I hope the action button is what makes it to the other watches because I think that especially since they tied shortcut support to it, it's a button that can do anything. And yeah. it it being in hardware, like it's just there all the time. Now, in David's review, he did mention that he had his tied to a workout and it he accidentally hit it at some point hiking and it quit a workout and then restarted a new one. And so his like 26 mile hike got divided into two. So like there are some edge cases you got to be aware of, but overall I think it's a really nice addition. And in a way the action button makes this more computery than the other Apple watches, because now you have a button that like you're in charge of, and that's a very computery type thing. Yeah. And you just gave me a great idea, though. I'm going to set one for my sleep focus mode to turn a flashlight on. That's what I would want with that button at night. There you go. Although if I trigger it, <laughs> Daisy's going to be like, what's going on? <laughs> blinded <laughs> blinded by the light. Uh, yeah. 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 Maybe maybe think twice about that. <laughs> yeah. That, that might be bad. <laughs> I hadn't thought about uh, the alarm, though. Have you tested the alarm? I did. And I can report back that it is very loud. And I think that if I were to trigger it, uh, my wife and family would come running and making sure that I'm okay, which is the whole point of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it delivers what they promise, but I don't think it's enough to scare away a mountain lion. So no, I still need to bring my air horn. Yeah. That was, that was a bridge too far for me, but <laughs> would that be funny? It's like, well, Dave can't be here. He got ate by a lion because he trusted his Apple watch right. to chase it away. It's like the people on YouTube crashing cars that t- test the crash. Detection, like, let's yeah, can we not you? do that? Can we do we have to do that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, can I just stop for a minute? They so for people listening that are not aware, so Apple has announced that it has crash detection in the watch now and, and the new phones. So some guys on YouTube literally crashed their car. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you know, I trust Apple. I feel like when they say they crashed a thousand cars and it works, I'm good, you know. But you know, but I don't understand YouTube. That, I mean, the, I think it does encourage you as you like do YouTube 
and you try to like make money at it, it does encourage you to do crazy things. So of course it was only a question of time. I mean, people used to put their uh, iPhones in blenders. So why aren't they going to oh, crash yeah. their car? All sorts of drop tests and cases. I mean, YouTube's a magical place. Uh, so sounds like we're both keeping it. We're keeping it, right? Yeah, I think I think we're both keeping it. I'm I'm in. I I like it. I like the looks. I like the ruggedness. I mean, I've never, I've never broken an Apple Watch. That's not true. I've broken several. You're gonna break this one. Uh, I, I, I hope I'm not. convinced <laughs> that you you're going to. Did you get the like the good? Yeah. You know, Apple Care. Oh yeah. 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 You need it. I, I will say the the lip around the screen so the titanium comes up and the screen is perfectly flat which i think is a really cool look but if you didn't tell me that the titanium was higher than the glass i don't know sure i would believe you because like it's very subtle uh this is not yeah. something i was i figured it wouldn't be like a g-shock where the, the screen is like recessed by millimeters into the case but it's pretty close to flush i mean there's a little bit of a lip but not much of one what is the unit after millimeter, right? You know, nanometer. So there's a yeah, this is nanometers, not millimeters. It is so subtle. I mean, yeah, you can feel it with your finger. You know, like, like an old woodworker's trick is you just drag your finger over a joint, and you can, you can, if it's not perfect, you can feel it. Mm-hmm. The human finger is so good at that, so you can feel it, but you cannot see it. But it seems like there's no question. You and I are keeping these things. I, uh, I love it, man. I. Uh, it's just, you know, I hope Apple does more stuff like this. And I like that they made a crazy watch that, you know, not everybody's going to want, but the the people that want those extra features can now buy. I hope they make a smaller one. I keep thinking about Rose wearing that gigantic thing on her tiny wrist. Um, maybe next year they can miniaturize this enough to to make one that uh, smaller people or people with smaller wrists can buy without feeling like they're the giant wearing the grandfather clock. Yeah, I mean, it's the first time we've had an Apple Watch model only in a single size. And that that is interesting. We've never really had that before. And so I agree with you. I think there are lots of people who would like this, but the 49 millimeter case is just is just too much. And so I'm I'm hopeful that at some point they could bring this down, uh, bring this down in size a little bit. Yeah. And I, I think that really is not it's not intentional for them to only have one size. I think it's probably, this is all they could ship right now. I think so. And I think especially the idea of like, this is, uh, the mega battery life, like that has everything to do with the size. And so, yeah, I can see why they ended up here, but it does leave, you know, it does leave some people out and, and that's a shame. Yeah. So who doesn't need this watch? Um, if you're okay with your battery life, I mean, you're fine. Um, neither Steven or I need the watch for the actual on the tin feature. Like I do plenty of workouts and bike rides and hiking and all sorts of stuff where I register workouts and the standard Apple watch was perfectly adequate for that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, I scoot, I scuba dive every couple of years with a guy who's my guide and he has the dive computer. I don't need a dive computer. You know, I have not done, I've not gone to the summit of Everest and I don't intend to. Uh, so, I mean, there's a lot of features here I don't need, but I, I feel like you don't need, it can be aspirational, right? I mean, you can just like, totally. like the way it looks and, and the features and, and take advantage of that battery. And um, it's okay. I'm giving yeah. you permission. Yeah. I mean, part of it for me is I like the look. I like sort of the lifestyle statement that it makes. And that's, that's fine. You know, if you can, 
If you like it and you can afford it, we're 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 not here to judge. If I buy, if I click buy on this watch band, I could pick it up. They said in-store pickup availability today. I mean, I'm just saying. I think you should do it for the labs. You know, show off the different colors. Uh, there you go. <laughs> I need to do it. I need to do it for the Mac Power Users listeners. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I've got another band coming. You know, I've got the Trail Loop coming in November. So yeah, <sighs> which is kind of a fancy version of the of the sweatpants one, right? I mean, Definitely just a fancy version of it. Yeah, fancy sport loop. There's a lot of great apps and features out in iOS 16. I'm glad we're all taking advantage of it. If I did not chase you away from focus modes, I would encourage you to give it a try. Let us know what you're thinking about it. I think we may come back to this someday. I'd love to hear what some of the listeners are doing with focus modes. I know there's some some cool uses for them. We are the Mac Power Users. You can find us at relay.fm slash MPU. You can find our forums at talk.macpowerusers.com. And thank you to our sponsors, SaneBox, Squarespace, Memberful, and Clean My Mac. We'll see you next time.